Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Well, it is wonderful to be back. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the way we work our vacations is Rabbi Weiss was away for the month of June, Cantor and I we're away for the month of July, not together. Um, we could have been. Um, and it is, it is really, really good to be back. Rabbi Weiss, you did such a beautiful job over the, the last month. I, I shared with everyone before I left how much, when I was the assistant rabbi, how much I enjoyed my month of being home alone. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have. But the only thing better than being home alone was when everyone came back. Um, Robert, you've added so much beauty throughout the summer to our services, and it's wonderful having you on the Bema with us as well. And it's great having all of you here, both in the sanctuary, at home, on Facebook, YouTube, on the Tampa Bay Community Network. We're just really glad to have you all with us tonight. Um, A lot of people have asked what I did for the month away. Um, The first week, I I really sat on the couch and did nothing. It was wonderful, yes. Um, My family and I went to uh, North Carolina for a week, which was really nice. When we came back, we reorganized the garage. Actually, we've only lived in the house for a year, so we organized the garage, um, which was good. And then the last week, the last week of July, um, I was really back on the couch and I was glued to the Olympics. I love the Olympics. And while I know that COVID almost canceled this year's competition, you can add me to the list of those who were hoping that they would find a way to make the games happen and who are thrilled that they did, who was praying that it continues to be done so safely, but who uh, has really enjoyed it. Sports have been a source of normal throughout the pandemic, even as they have been far from normal. And especially this year, I have loved watching the Olympics with my children at five and four. We watched the last one, but they they didn't get too much of it. Being able to expose them to sports they've never seen before, seeing my daughter Eva get even more excited about synchronized swimming, which she started over the summer. I'm sure you'll hear lots of that, uh, more about that in the future. <laughs> but the thing that I really enjoyed explaining to them was the idea of a world record. 
of someone running faster, swimming faster, throwing farther than anyone ever has in the entire world before now. And in spite of all of the adversity of this year's games, athletes are pushing themselves to new levels, achieving never-before-seen success. In fact, in both the men's and women's 400-meter hurdles, runners broke the world record and got the silver medal because another runner also broke the world record with a faster time. If you missed those races, go home and YouTube them. And if you're at home, wait until the service is over. But make sure you watch those races. They were incredible. How is it, I've often wondered, not only that world records can continue to be broken, that one generation will be faster than the next, but also how an individual who has been racing for their entire life will keep getting faster, lifting more, throwing farther. As an aside, as I was researching for tonight, I found an article that was written in 2015, and it was called, Will Athletes Ever Stop Breaking World Records? And the article specifically mentioned Michael Johnson's 1996 world record in the 400 meter, not hurdles, the, the run, as a record that would never be broken. And then I looked, and the next year in Rio, the record was broken. So how does this keep happening, even when they say it can't be done? Sometimes it has to do with new equipment. When it comes to the hurdles this year, I read that there is a new shoe that's been helping athletes, and the track in Tokyo also has a new innovation from which runners and hurdlers are both benefiting. I'm not going to try to explain it. It was an article in the New York Times, if you're interested. At the 2008 Olympics, it was swimsuits. 13 swimming world records were broken when Speedo released a new full body suit designed with help from NASA, including eight of those records by Michael Phelps, who wore a variation of the suit. The swimsuits were banned right after those games. And again, experts predicted that it would be decades before those records would be broken. But 23 swimming world records have been set since then, with 19 new Olympic records being set this year in Tokyo. An American, Caleb Dressel, beat his own world record from two years ago in the 100-meter butterfly, a record that had beat Michael Phelps from those 2008 games. So equipment aside, how is it that these athletes keep getting faster? So of course, we look to the Torah. <laughs> I mean, you knew I was going to get there eventually, right? So in this week's Torah portion, Re'eh, we read, when Adonai has enlarged your territory as God has promised you. Now the text continues with a discussion about eating meat, and that's where most of the commentary will focus. But in the Midrash to the book of Deuteronomy, the rabbis focus on the first part. And they say, how is it possible that God could enlarge the land? And no, this is not going to go into a political discussion of Israel's borders. The rabbis weren't thinking about borders at all. The Torah saw the land as a pre-existing body of land that was waiting to be settled. And according to the laws of physics, which even the rabbis understood, 
land cannot be made larger than it is. But Rabbi Isaac in the Midrash gives us an interesting way of thinking about this. He says, if one picks up a Torah scroll, right, one of these scrolls behind me, they would hardly suspect the magnitude of its length or its breadth. But when it's opened, its size becomes apparent. Now, even this statement can be thought of in many ways. First, if you've been with us or another synagogue on Simchat Torah, which has opened up the Torah in its entirety, you know that when the Torah is opened up completely, it encircles almost this entire sanctuary. So this physical explanation is a simple one. Whether we're talking about the Torah or one that I thought of, our small intestines, right, in this little part of our body, if you owe 20 feet of small intestines, you didn't know that, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes what we're looking at may in fact be physically larger than it appears. We just have to open it up. And no, we're not going to open up anyone's intestines this year on Simchat Torah. But if we head in a different direction, we see a more metaphorical understanding of this teaching, of this Midrash. The Torah, when closed, looks like a scroll. It looks like any other book. But once we open it, not all the way, but simply to read it, we realize how big of a document we're looking at. And as we continue to read year after year, we realize that with all of the different possible explanations for each passage, this book that we're looking at is even bigger than the words that appear on the parchment. This weekend, we begin the month of Elul, a month meant for personal introspection, which leads us to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which, believe it or not, are only a month away. And I don't want to think about it. And just as the athletes at the Olympics continue to amaze us with new personal bests and Olympic and world records, these two explanations from the Midrash can inspire us to think about how each of us can expand our own borders as well. The Olympics bring on an adrenaline rush more than any other meet which along with intense training allows athletes to find ability within themselves that they never knew was there. Swimming and running faster, lifting more, performing better than they ever have in their lives. Whether it's in athletics or the way we perform in our studies or our jobs or the way we act with one another, we all have perceived limits. We're like a closed Torah scroll. We have some imaginary place that we've envisioned as the best we're capable of. But we too are capable of reaching farther, working harder, achieving in ways that we never knew were possible. And as we think about our own goals and accomplishments, the personal bests we each hope to outperform, may we also think about our own Torah, the way we look to our Judaism and the depth that it can provide us if we open ourselves to it. We don't need an equipment upgrade in our Judaism. We have the potential to see the tools that have been at our disposal for generations in new ways. So as we enter this month of Elul, may we open ourselves just as we aim to open the Torah. 
May we think of the ways in which we can expand all of our borders, trying new things, approaching old things in new ways, pushing ourselves in new ways, perhaps forgiving ourselves and others in new ways, looking to the wisdom of Torah in new ways. And may we strive to live each day just a little bit better than we did the day before, creating personal bests in every moment of our lives. Amen.